You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Last week, I talked about uh, Romans 8 being kind of the pinnacle of all theology in the New Testament, or the most theological book, very important book in the Bible uh, that Paul's preaching on. The chapter 8 was the kind of climax of the book. And then in chapter 8, there are these two verses uh, verses 38 and 39, that talk about the work of the Spirit. The whole chapter's on the work of the Spirit, but specifically, and I sang the song last week, for I am persuaded, I'm not going to sing it this week, but you can listen to it last week if you want to hear the melodies of the angels singing. But anyway, um, I'm persuaded, this is what, what Paul is teaching us, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that this is one of the primary roles and functions of the Holy Spirit. When, the, when Jesus left, he sent the Spirit, and one of the prime, what Paul's teaching us in this whole chapter, it's called Life in the Spirit, this whole chapter is titled Life in the Spirit, is that the role, and one of the primary roles and functions, point one last week, was nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And so everything else that Paul talks about in chapter eight is about that. It's about getting us, convincing us, teaching us that we can't be separated from God's love. How good is that? That's amazing. And the second point I made last week was specifically condemnation cannot separate us from the love of God. That most of us feel like when we receive Christ, um, our sins are forgiven, we're pardoned, we're right before God, yeah? And then we move out kind of on this mission, And we are just going to make God happy. We're going to make God love us. We're going to show him how thankful we are for his forgiveness of sins. And so what do we do? We move out. And we eventually, what what happens? We eventually kind of struggle with sin. And we fall back into patterns maybe that we've struggled with. And and I I said last week, and so what, what we feel like, though, is we feel condemned again. We feel this condemnation And Paul's writing to us saying that, no, 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 there's no more condemnation. You're in this new realm whenever you receive a pardon from God on on, uh, on behalf of Jesus Christ and the work that he's done, that it's once and for all and it's finished. And that if we live in this continual state of, oh, I sinned, I'm in condemnation, I'm separated from God, God doesn't love me, oh, I need to ask for forgiveness, oh, here I am back with Jesus again, oh, crap, I just screwed up again, it! and that same, oh, man, I'm back with Jesus again. If we live... If we live in that state, we're not experiencing the life that God has for us. There's no freedom in that back and forth movement, is there? Not anything that's healthy and fun and life-giving. We're in this tension all the time, wondering, am I making God happy or am I making God sad? Does God find joy in me or is he just kind of disappointed in me? And Paul's saying, look, guys, I get it. In chapter 7, just before this, man, the heart of the Lord the Lord has given me. My desire is to do what his law says. My desire is to do what he wants, but I find myself doing the exact opposite. What in the world? If that's true for Paul, how about us? So he says, therefore, there's no condemnation. There's no more of this back and forth stuff. Do we still sin? Yeah, we struggle with sin still, but we are no longer condemned. It says no more condemnation. That we've been fully restored. Price has been paid So when we sin, we ask for forgiveness to restore our relationship with God so we can experience more of his love, more of his blessings, but we're not asking to get back in his family. Once we're in, we are in, is what Paul's teaching us. No more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation. That's like a talk in itself. That's just last week's. That's a summary of last week. This week, what I want to talk about is this. The next few verses, 
5, I think, through 11 or something like that, talks about a new, another way that we cannot be separated from God's love. Or one of the things that Paul's teaching us is that look at your life. Look at how much God loves you. Look at what God's done in your life. And that too will remind you and teach you and show you that you're not separated from God's love. Regardless of what's happening, you are not separated from God's love. You know, we had a picture that we said, let's take that scripture off right now. We had a picture uh, before the service when we were praying and we just invited the Holy Spirit to come and they gave us that picture that Craig said about a table. And Craig, when he began worship, he said, you know, that table's like God coming back into the center of our life, right? What I heard when I heard that picture was, it's like God bringing us back into his center, reminding us how much he loves us. And that there's this, this table in the, in the picture that this person had, they said that it's like the table was being refinished and sanded and new coats were being put on it. It was becoming more and more and more beautiful. And the testimony of the love of the Father was how he was redoing this table to make it beautiful. And that's us. That's what today's talk is on, is that God's on this journey with us of making us more and more beautiful, more loved, more cared for more and more of everything he just he's just like sending his spirit to remind us there's nothing to separate you from the father you're like right here you're here the father's here and he's just using me to make you more beautiful that's the message of romans 8 that nothing could separate you from the love of, of, of the father there's nothing and he's making you more beautiful look at your life romans 5 8 verse 5 says this For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Father, come now. We invite you to come through the power of your spirit, that you would teach us your word, and that we would live differently as a result of it. Amen. Now, we read this, right? Or I read this, and I think, man, I stink at being a Christian. I just love the world. If I'm honest, I just, I love the things of the world. I look to the things of the world for pleasure and joy and happiness. I always think about things of the world, I struggle to feel like I'm doing anything spiritual. Paul's right, man. I mean, isn't that, we kind of read that and we kind of, all of a sudden a measuring table comes up like, am I really about the things of the world or am I really about things of the spirit? Right? I mean, that's how, when I read that scripture, it's kind of like when he talks about, you know, the other places in scripture where he talks about, you know, don't get, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Instead, do this, this, and this and stay in step with the spirit. Why do we feel this way? I'll tell you one of the reasons. One of the reasons is my fault, or pastor's fault. 
because we like formulas. Because if we can just give everyone a formula, and we can kind of back out from walking with people in messy life, okay? And so we see a scripture like this, and we're like, oh, yeah. And we kind of bring you in with a cool story. And then we're like this. We're like, we see this. Say, see? Do you see what Paul's saying? Stop. Stop loving the world. And we do this at you. Stop loving the world. Stop focusing on things of the flesh, especially you teenagers. Don't you know that the things, these things lead to the path of death and destruction? Don't you know these things lead to worry and anxiety? Stop it, people. You're going to die because of these things. There's no peace for you. No peace. So, we, you, so that's what happens, right? And we wonder why you care. What, and how does that make you feel? Condemned, right? It makes you feel like, oh, man. He's right. He's right. And so we internalize this, but we know that that's not Paul's intention, right? Because what did he teach us in the first verse of this chapter? There's no condemnation. So that, that can't possibly be what Paul wants us to take away from this. It can't. But it's how we feel when we hear that. We read these books, you know? I'm not going to mention any titles or whatever. But it's like you read the first few chapters and you're like, oh, man. I just am not good at this. I'm horrible at this. And we feel condemned. So what's he saying here? What's the message he wants us to take away? I think it's this. He's saying, look, man, look at this table. You were once in this dump. You were in a trash heap. You were on the path. People were going to break you up and use you for firewood. You were on the path to destruction. You were on a path that was leading you to be so much less than you were going to be. You're going to be destroyed. But my father sent Jesus to rescue you, and now you're this beautiful table. You're this beautiful table. And I'm making you more beautiful because now that you've been rescued by me and I'm living in you, you're no longer like that. You're like this. And Paul is drawing a contrast for us. He's showing us this is who you once were when you could not please God. You tried to please God. You worked to please God. You were trying to be obedient. You knew what God's law was, but you just couldn't do it. As opposed to now, look, look now, you're filled with the Spirit. All of the Spirit fills you, and He is making you more beautiful. Look at the differences between those two. Wouldn't you choose to be this beautiful table as opposed to a piece of wood on a scrap pile that's going to be burned? Paul's showing us this. There are two kinds of people in the world. This is point number two. People who live for God and people who live for the world. Now you think, Antley, that sounds pretty judgmental. That sounds pretty harsh. I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just telling you what Paul is trying to communicate to us as believers to ensure that we who are filled with the Spirit know that nothing can separate us from the love of God, including our sin, including our behavior. Nothing can separate us. And the determining factor is whether or not you're filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit and the desires of your heart have been torn, turned towards God, you will live for God. You will love God. You will find pleasure in seeking God's joy in your life and serving Him. And if you're not, 
then you're not. And you will find joy in the world. You'll find yourself thinking about yourself all the time. You'll find yourself pleasing and desiring to please your flesh all the time. You'll find yourself trying to find life in things that ultimately will leave you feeling empty. So Paul's just raising this reality not trying to be judgmental, not trying to be condemning, not trying to be angry or mean. He's just saying, look, there's this, here's, this is the way it is. And if you're in me, if you're in Christ, if you're with me in Christ and you're filled with the Spirit, regardless of how you feel and even regardless of how you behave sometimes, you need to know this, that God, you're, you're a work of progress. And he has sent his spirit to beautify you, to sand down the rough edges, to take off the corners, and to coat you with his love, to make your finish rich and deep and powerful. Paul is showing us there's people in the spirit and there's people in the flesh. People who please God and people who can't. People who are alive and have peace and freedom in life. And people who are dead and enslaved to worry and anxiety. And the Holy Spirit is slowly changing our desires, teaching us to long for God, to spend time with God, to experience his love for us, encouraging us to trust and to know that nothing can separate us from our love, the, the love God has for us. And how do you know that God loves you and you can't separate, be separated from him? Look at your life. Look at your heart. Look at the way you spend your time. Look at the longings that you have. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, but I kind of I feel like a little of both. Well, there's no little of both. That's why Paul's writing this. You can't have a little of both. You're either in, filled, empowered. You might feel like there's a little of both, but you're either in, filled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, or you're not. And if you're not, Paul's invitation is to become filled, to find life in him. But if you are and you're struggling with life or worry or anxiety, that's Paul's saying, remember, coming off of chapter 7, even he feels those things. Even he struggles with those things. I mean, look at some of the great men in the Bible. Moses, murderer. Paul, Christian killer. Peter, denier. Get behind me, Satan. Words sound familiar? That's what Jesus said to him. He led the church. Moses led the nation of Israel out of slavery. Paul wrote more of the New Testament than anyone. All men who love God but struggle with sin. David? Gate? No, David. (laughs) David? God after, a man after God's own heart is what he's known for, but he was an adulterer and a murderer. Like David, not Gate, like David, like Paul, like David Gate, like Antley, like all of us. We all are this table that God is working on, making more beautiful, to have chinks and dings and broken parts that he's in the process of restoring. So how does he do this? How does the Holy Spirit do this in our life? Point three. As the Holy Spirit transforms your heart and your mind, your flesh will follow. As the Holy Spirit transforms your heart and your mind, that's what it's talking about here. What does God see? Not our outward appearances. It says God looks at the heart of man and woman to know what's really going on in their life. Why? Because we can fake the flesh. 
We can fake the flesh. And so Paul is saying, no, no, no. The mind, this is where I start. Your mind and your heart. As I transform those things, then the flesh will follow. The behavior will follow in a way that is real, is empowered by the Spirit, brings life to those that you're serving and life to you. So we have these four pillars. This is how we do it at RCC. We have these four pillars at RCC as an RCC family. Uh, experiencing the Father's love, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, evangelism, ministry to the poor and hurting. Now when God formed our church, he said, what we felt like he led us into these four pillars with the understanding that these are the things for our church that he was going to make central to our identity, okay? And we felt like they were central to the life of Jesus Christ. And so we said, great, we're going to go for it. And we started pursuing God, loving God. But what happens in the process of seeing these four things, the flesh takes over, right? We start kind of taking hold of this reality or believing this lie that uh, the external appearance is more important than the internal appearance. And we've kind of grown up in this culture, in, our, in, our, in the Western culture, that we are what we do. And so we adopt that into our Christian faith, and what happens is we see these four pillars, and we're like, well, no one's going to know about the Father's love. I mean, you can't see that happen on the inside. What good is that for me? No one can really see me moving the power of the Spirit. I can do all the right things, but really, that's the work of God. I can't make that happen. But what I can do to show God that I love him and to show everyone else that I'm serious about my faith is I can do evangelism. I can go out and talk to people about Jesus. And I can go out and do ministry to the poor. And so we kind of start with those two as being the reflection of this is what a real Christian looks like, right? And what happens? We, we get consumed. We get kind of built up in this, in this false reality that this is what real Christians do. This is what real Christians look like because we want God to love us, or we want to impress other people, or we think this is what we should be doing, or we read books like, this is what the radical faith looks like. And so we spend our energy doing for God instead of being with God. I'm not saying that these last two pillars cannot be done in good and powerful and radical ways. I'm just saying that we're getting it backwards. And the result is we, we stop, we leave feeling condemned because we can't do enough because we're doing it out of our own power or we leave feeling prideful. Look at what I'm doing. I'm at Street Corner every week. Where are you, Antley? I'm, I'm doing the prayer walk every week. Where are you? That's pride, right? And, or we get worn out and burned out and we leave. But what if we just did this? What if we just started at the top? Started with the super pillar. We call the Father's love the super pillar for a reason. We didn't make it up, (laughs) I promise. We believe that this is the most important message and and thing that you can understand in our church. It's what we experienced this morning. That everything flows from this pillar. What if your only job or your primary responsibility as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, was to understand and experience the love the Father had for you. And you just spent time like, man, I'm gonna start my day. This is the most important thing. Well, I probably need to prioritize my day. I need to spend time in the, I need to wake up. If this is important, then I need to do this first. And so, like, I mean, I know, I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is a cup of coffee. Because that's important. I'm gonna get a headache if I don't get it. It's my flesh. I'm addicted to the world. I can't, what am I going to say? Woe is me. Okay, so 
But what if your primary responsibility, the, 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 the source of all power and opportunity in life was waiting for you? He is waiting for you every morning to spend time with him, to experience his love for you. And we're all different. Some of you might click on worship music and just spend time in his presence. Some of you might turn on music in the morning and dance around the house, getting a jig on or whatever. You know, to worship music and spend time with God that way and dancing. Some of you might just quiet time with the Lord, just opening his word and reading it. Some of you, it might be fasting. It might be prayer. It might be meditation or memorization of God's word. It might be worship. I mean, there's, there's all these lots of things the Bible talks about when talking about how to experience the Father's love for you. And as we experience the Father's love for us, like we did this morning in worship, what happens? We get filled. We get filled, and it starts pouring out of us. Streams of living water start flowing out of us. It's the way Jesus describes our relationship with the Father. Streams of living water start flowing out of us. That means everywhere we go, people around us will be experiencing streams of living water. That's what Paul's talking about here in chapter 8. Experiencing life from you. Not because you're doing anything, but you're just like streams of living water as a spirit. As you're experiencing the second pillar, the power of the spirit comes and fills you and then you flow out everywhere you go. You're bringing God's love and his power to everybody, to everyone. And then you just can't help, not yet. You just can't help. You can't help it. But tell people about Jesus. Because you're just telling them about the experiences you're having with them. That's all you're doing. You can't help but reach out to the poor and hurting because you're compelled to do so. Why? Because you are that piece of wood on the trash pile and you know that God has rescued you and that he loves you and that he is finishing you and making you beautiful and you're just telling other people the same thing. It's so natural. It's not meant to be stressful. It's not meant to cause pain. It's not meant to cause burden and turmoil. The love of God in us, filling us, and then flowing out of us like streams of living water. Are you kidding me? How awesome is that? And what happens is you become a force of destruction for God's kingdom. And as a family, we become a force of destruction for God's kingdom. You know, I was here last night when that storm came. I didn't even know about it. I was working. I was getting ready to ride, drive Peggy Sue, my bus home. You drive Peggy Sue over a bridge in that kind of wind, and you're just, it's, it's game over. Game over. So I was texting with Paul, and he's like, be safe driving Peggy Sue home. I'm like, what? What's going on? I mean, it's just like raining outside. I was like, is it dangerous out? He's like, it's crazy. So I get in Peggy Sue, and I'm driving home. And the storm had passed, and there was... There were branches everywhere, trees falling over. And you could see where the tornadoes had touched down and different people's yards and houses, these trees had toppled over and there was a clear path of destruction as a result of the wind and the fury of this storm. Folks, let me tell you something. There is a battle going on in this world. And as a church family and as individuals, we need to be experienced in our community as a force of destruction for God's beauty and his glory. People are desperate for it. People are hungry for it. 
But it begins not with us doing, it begins with us being with the Father, experiencing his love, being empowered by his spirit, and allowing those things to flow out of us as we're experiencing those things. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I think, again, man, I skipped a whole section, but that's okay. How do we apply this? We apply it like this. There's two groups, not ins and outs. That, that was just a point ago. This, this is application time. Some of us, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, and we don't feel life. We're like doing it because we have to. We're doing it because it needs to be done, and there's no joy, there's no life, there's no power. It's good, it's good. I'm not saying it's not good, but you don't feel it. You're not feeling it. You're not feeling the freedom. You're not feeling the love. You're not feeling the joy that is designed from it. And you're going and going and going. So what, what I think God's calling you to do is stop. Stop. And start spending time in the presence of the Father. And whatever that looks like for you, only you know how God has wired you. In his word, it could be praying. It could be in worship. It could be getting together with people and have people praying over you. Be coming down for prayer ministry. But it's spending time being filled with the Father's love, leading you into a life of power where streams of living water are flowing out of you. And what you do in terms of evangelism, in terms of ministering to the poor and hurting, is a natural outflow and expression of you just living life around those kinds of folks that need you, that God's gonna lead you into their life, lead you into your path, and you're gonna destroy them with God's love. That sounds like, like, that doesn't sound like they, be- they belong together, do they? Destroying someone with God's love? That's how you know it's from the Spirit right there. You know, it doesn't make sense to us. But you get what I'm saying, right? That as you're being filled with God's love for you, empowered by the Spirit, people come across your path, and you're like, yo, I'm going to destroy you with his love. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? And people start saying things like, I don't know what happened. I was just hanging out with you and then next thing I know this is happening in my life or whatever. It doesn't mean that we're not intentional. It doesn't mean that we, don't, that we don't show up and do street corner. I'm not saying that. Those are all great things that we have to participate in. But the, the fruit of it is when you're filled with joy, love, and thanksgiving, people will experience love, joy, and thanksgiving. When you're driven by obedience, people feel Jesus juked and they feel just your obedience right? Now, the other group are people who are being filled with God's love, and you love it. You've tasted some of the goodness. You've tasted what it feels like to be filled with God's power, his love in your life, and you can't get enough of it. Now, here's the problem, is you can't get enough of it, and so you can't get enough of it, and so no one else gets any of it, right? This is what happens with the mystics. Long ago, they would go spend time in the desert and they would just spend more time in the desert with God and more time in the desert with God, more time in the desert. And they'd never come back and share and empower and bring life to the world that we're called to interact with and impact. And so for some of us, God's call this morning is, yo, 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 I fill you with my love and my power to bring it to the world. I have come to seek and to save the lost. I have come to those who need a physician. You are God's plan A. You are the ones he is calling to bring that love. And so if you're someone who loves to soak with Jesus, loves to spend time with Jesus, loves to pray with Jesus, loves to worship Jesus, keep doing it, but 
Be intentional to find sources to share it with, share him with. Let's stand.